Ladies and gentlemen, I just need to understand, like, who are the dudes that are copying Boohoo Man the Baby Collection? I need to know. I need answers. Who are you guys? In other words, Public Enemies Chuck D, bring the noise. FM Podcast Network. I am Shia Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Little alert for you guys. Uh, new episode of 5VPN Radio dropping the same day as this episode of What's Good. Chilling with Charlie, Volume 2, UK Jazz. Go spin that. Uh, if you're on Spotify, Go spin that. Go uh, follow that, please. And uh, you also get uh, the homie Mickey's uh, 92 Till. Uh, his episodes drop every Friday and is way more consistent than me. So, <laughs> so far I've been doing every other week, which, you know, I think I feel like it's, uh, it's kind of just what I've uh, what I wanted uh, in, in some way. I, I wanted to, you know, some time to curate. You know what I mean? I'm a curator now joking but um, yeah it's cool it's fun and uh yeah if you, if you guys are not into uk jazz but you've wanted to get into uk jazz or just jazz in general i feel like it's a great place to begin i gave a i dropped a really good uh, mix of uk jazz you get a lot of flavors uh i think it's 11 tracks so yeah man it's uh, or 10 or 11 tracks something like that and uh yeah man please just go spin just go spin uh, as soon as soon as you drop this episode, if it, especially if you're on Spotify, because uh, it's only it's a Spotify exclusive um, uh, thing, and also on Anchor as well. But I don't know if who listens to podcasts on Anchor. It, it, uh, <laughs> please let me know if you do listen to all your podcasts on Anchor. That'd be kind of interesting to to know. Um, but yeah, as soon as you get off this, get on that five VPN radio. It's dropping a few hours after this particular episode on the same day. Uh, 7 p.m. BST. If you are, if you're one of those day dot listeners, in in terms of like, uh, you know, listening as soon as this drops, uh, which I, I, d- I don't know if people, I don't know if people do. Like, that'd be kind of interesting if, if people just like listen as soon as as soon as this episode comes out. That'd be kind of cool. But um, yeah, let me know. Either way, where you're at. Um, yeah, but apart from that, solid week. Can't complain. Uh, very overcast weather. Um, I g- <laughs> shall I tell this story. Do I have time? I'll probably do. I want Um. All right. So, so the Euros are still going. Um, I'm recording this uh, day after England got the two 0 dubby over uh, Germany. Very uh, pleasant surprise. Uh, facing Ukraine next on I think Saturday. Um. And uh. Yeah. So, a quick story. So I, uh, at the start of the Euros. So this is the start of the Euros. Okay. Just you need to know this chrono- chrono- chronology. Okay. Um. At the start of the Euros, I watched like a couple of days, and uh, I was just like, I was, I was thinking to myself, I was watching a couple of games, and I was like, I was like, you know what? I haven't caught, I haven't had a football shirt in like fifteen years. Like it's been so long since I had a football shirt. I'm a cop a football shirt, so I impulsively copped a football shirt. Right now, it wasn't a national shirt; it was a club shirt. It was actually a shirt that I've wanted for like a couple of years. So it's not like a, you know, it's not like a, a new kit drop or anything like that. Um, I, I'm not really, I don't really care for, you know, just, uh, uh, just, you know, being up to date with kits. I don't really care. Like if I can find one from like years ago, uh, like if I'm, if I'm copying it, my, if I'm ever copying a football uh, kit again, um, the next one I'm going to cop is, uh, the 0304, uh, Chelsea away shirt. <laughs> Or was it alternate? I think it was alternate. Um, yeah, it was like white with like blue stripes uh, down the middle. Fly Emirates banging kit. Banging kit. I've always wanted that kit. Always wanted that kit. So if I'm ever getting a football shirt, that's the next one. But anyway, I caught this one. It's a bit more recent. Uh, I think it was from like 2018 or something like that. Um, so yeah, I copped it. I was I was really looking forward to it. Um, and uh, yeah, I was just I was just supremely gassed about it. So... It took a couple of weeks, um, but it finally got here, 
um, a day, the day after, uh, it was the France-Switzerland game, and, uh, yeah, that happened, um, I, I, I was watching the penalties, and, uh, you know, uh, Kylian Mbappe, uh, uh, bottled it, right, um, you know, happens to the best of them, all that kind of stuff, right, he'll, he'll get back, he'll get back on the horse, all that stuff, um, but it kind of, it kind of, it kind of pissed me off because the day after my my shirt finally came. Now again, I ordered this shirt in the first couple of days of the Euros. Okay, so it was very early days. Okay, I copped it very impulsively. I was like, you know what? If I can find this shirt, I'm copying it immediately, and I did. Now, just how funny the timing is that I get my PSG. Kylian Mbappe <laughs> shirt <laughs> the day after Kylian Mbappe bottles the penalty <laughs> and sends France out of the Euros. <laughs> oh, you can't, you you simply cannot make in, make this stuff up. Story of dreams, uh, absolutely outstanding. So, I'm not gonna wear that shirt for the sum for the rest of the summer. <laughs> um, it's a clean shirt. It's banging. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna wear it <laughs> for a minute. Uh, so yeah, if, if don't expect me to don't expect me to be flexing the PSG shirt anytime soon. Oh, I'm just gonna keep that in the drawer, and I might bring it out for maybe next summer. Who knows? Anyway, let's get on with the show. For my before we begin, uh, f- uh, email to IG, Discord link, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes. Uh, support the writers that uh, make this show possible please go click their links uh, also in the full show notes all the links to the articles will be in the full show notes go peep them to yourselves and with that said let the beat drop let's get into the show In a week where Derek Chauvin is sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison for the murder of George Floyd, Matt Hancock resigns as health secretary after footage of him, uh, leaks of him uh, kissing an aide, uh, which is kind of interesting because uh, if, if, that, if that's going to be the bar of people resigning, then just saying Boris Johnson, but you know. Is what it is. Uh, Chinese researchers have unveiled an ancient skull. Uh, I think it's labelled Dragon Man. Uh, that could belong to a completely new species of human. And I think it was. Um, I, I, I think uh, I saw. I saw in a video on it, and uh, I think it's before Neanderth- after Neanderthals. So that's kind of fascinating. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, Wimbledon is underway. Um, I'm not really tuning that that hard to into it. Um, I saw Sloan Stevens uh, last couple of games. That was kind of good. Um, and obviously Queen Serena's now out. Uh, she bowed out to a, uh, uh, I think, a knee injury, and that was a real sad sight to see. Because I really wanted to get that one more major, man. I really wanted to get that one more major. Because I mean, she's the goat regardless. But I just really want her, just for symbolism and just for the, just for the, oh, just for the flex. Uh, just, just have that last major. But anyway. And lastly, uh, Cuba announces their own vaccine uh, called Ab- uh, Abdala, Ab- is, what's it Abdala uh, with a 92% efficacy. So that's that's Moderna Pfizer territory, ladies and gentlemen. So that's, that's big up Cuba. But we begin uh, with uh, first of two sports topics, and um, I'm a back-to-back these. Um, so... I, I this uh, this article came out uh, before the England Germany game, which um, I I just want you to imagine a uh, an alternate universe where England did not win that Germany game, okay? Because I mean, just for the kicks, but regardless, um, this is factual. Um, this is an article I found from uh, uh, I, I'm probably butchering the name, but uh, Kaylane Chaylane Bear. Shalane Bear, maybe it's Irish in it, so I'm not, I'm trying to figure it out. But um, uh, Chalane Bar, maybe that. Uh, Paul McInnes, uh, Neem McIntyre, and Pamela Duncan uh, from the Guardian. This is a shocking scale of Twitter abuse targeting England at Euro 2020. So um, it's exclusive, exclusive from them, and uh, I just found it supremely fascinating because, as you guys know. 
I just always wonder, uh, you know, how, the the the. I can't imagine being like a, a popular sports star and then having you know your quote unquote fans right just constantly abusing you like it's not you wouldn't do that to them in the street uh, maybe you would who knows like if you're asking for a whooping then go for it but like I don't know Twitter fingers man it's crazy but anyway let's get into this article right quick because it's fascinating English footballers have been subjected to sustained abuse online during their matches at year 2020, an exclusive analysis by the Guardian could reveal a study of Twitter messages directed at and naming the England team during the three group stage matches identified more than 2,000 abusive messages, including scores of racist posts. The research, conducted in association with the anti-racist organisation Hope Not Hate, illustrates the shocking levels of hatred directed by hundreds of in, uh, yeah directed by hundreds of individuals at a time at captain Harry Kane, forward Raheem Sterling. Uh, other players, uh, other England players, and the manager Gareth Southgate. Across England's three group games against Croatia, Scotland, and the Czech Republic, The Guardian identified 2,114 abusive tweets directed towards or naming the players and Southgate. This included 44 explicitly racist tweets, with messages using the M word and monkey emojis directed at black players, and 58 that attacked players for their anti racist actions, including taking the knee. With parameters set only for the five hours around the match, there were also examples of anti-Semitic and ableist abuse, with nationalist messages and more insidious racial co- racial content uh, also visible. The player's decision to continue taking the knee at the start of matches and its perceived association with the Black Lives Matter movement was also a consistent target for criticism. The type of abuse is illustrated when comparing uh, Kane and Sterling, Two of the main targets for abuse, Kane is white and Sterling is black, and the racist element to the abuse directed Sterling is significant. Both have uh, played all three matches. Sterling's selection for the first match in particular was contentious in some quarters, but he has scored both England's goals and obviously won during the Germany game. Uh, uh, during the tournament, Kane is regarded having struggled, uh, having struggled to find form also scored in the Germany game. Uh, Against Croatia, the players received similar volumes of abuse. In this match, 10% of messages uh, directed at Sterling were explicitly racist. And honestly, stopping right there, I'm surprised it's only 10%. I'm generally surprised it's only 10%. That that seems low to me. But anyway. Uh, In the second game against Scotland, where there were no goals and Kane was substituted in the second half, Excuse me. Uh, Sterling received more than uh, more abuse than Kane. However, in the third match, where Sterling again scored the only goal, Kane received more abuse than Sterling. Overall, Kane received 506 abusive tweets and Sterling 430. Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Jordan Pickford, and Tyrone Mings also received high volumes of abuse. The most targeted individual of all, however, was Southgate. The England manager was the focus of more than 700 messages. Uh, England top Group D without conceding the goal. Play Germany, as we know. Da, 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 that's, that's been passed. The Guardian's findings will prompt questions for Twitter, along with other social media co- other social media companies, has come uh, under sustained pressure to tighten up its response to abuse on its platform. The FA, along uh, the, alongside the Premier League campaign uh, group Kick It Out, and other footballing bodies have repeat, repeatedly demanded action, including faster removal of offensive content and the ability to more easily easily identify others. In April, the English Football Committee and media organisations, including The Guardian, boycotted uh, social media for four days to draw attention to the problem. Their data analysed by The Guardian was collected by Hope Not Hate and was based uh, and based on more than 585,000 posts that included players' names, nicknames and Twitter handles during matches and included tweets posted one hour before, during and two hours after each England match. Uh, Guardian identified 4,505 potentially abusive tweets using a list of abusive, uh, ra- and abusive and racist terms and emojis, uh, which were then manually reviewed and verified by a team of journalists. Uh, as well as direct abuse, there were other more insidious messages that sought to challenge the players on their support for racial equality or dispute of uh, dis- or dispute the taking of the knee. There was also, however, a large number of posts confronting the boos heard in Wembley Stadium when the players made their protests. The irony of the same fans who booed later cheering when Sterling scored England's first goal in the tournament was one of the most commonly repeated messages. And that's that's kind of where I sit in this whole conversation. It's just like, you guys will boo this, but then as soon as, like, Sterling, Raheem Sterling, the most fucking lightning... And I'm not being exaggerative when I say this. I honestly believe, like, he's the most lightning... 
rodded, if that's a term, um, player in English football in the past like five years. Like every single time Raheem does anything, tabloids are on him, Twitter's on him. Like it's just fucking mad how like how quickly they get a Sterling. It's actually crazy, and and he keeps scoring the goals, which is just fucking great to me. Um, uh, Tweets that supported the players and called out abuse were also uh, much more likely to be retweeted or liked. Patrick Hermanson, Hermanson, a researcher, hope not hate, said, quote, online abuse and specifically racist abuse is a serious issue. Uh, Even if it's a relative minority of the content, it can have a large impact on the direct victim, but also others who observe it online. This means a single post causes harm wider than a single person is targeting. Uh, social media like Twitter attract this sort of abuse because of its encouragement of quick and emotive reactions of feeling and feeling of anonymity. Uh, since this exact issue has been given attention before, Twitter is well aware of the issue and should do more to combat it. Uh, those solutions need to include both faster moderation and more fundamental design changes of their service that encourage that discourages or limits the ability to post by, for example, newly created accounts on contentious issues. Um, <laughs> I I I kind of want to stop it there. There are there are a few more paragraphs that kind of say similar stuff. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's it, yeah. There's, there's a Twitter spokesperson and uh, yeah, a few other a few other stuff. But I, I think we get the gist of what's going on here. Um, my my question is, when are you gonna do Facebook? <laughs> Imagine that. Oh my gosh. Imagine Facebook, like trying to do Facebook, the the cesspool that Facebook would be. Like it, it, it boggles the mind. And honestly, I see the numbers there, right? And, you know, and obviously, they obviously did a a decent job of vetting everything, which is good. Um, you know, you don't want to just pick everything out and just go like, look, guys, five thousand message, five hundred, six hundred thousand messages, all racist. Like it's not, that's not how it. Is probably uh, probably is right, so um, it's good that they uh, vetted it in some fashion. But I, I just find it interesting of how people just go to such lengths to get angry at this kind of shit. Like you know, I, I was watching the game. I was watching the game with with my dad, right? The uh, Germany game, right? And you know, he 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 he's a, he's a moaner, right? He, he's a, he's a moaner, he, especially at the start of the game. He was moaning a lot. He's like passing back. Right, and you know that's fine, right? That's, that's fine. It's moaning. Who cares, right? And it's just whether it's whether he's right or wrong, right? That's a, that's a different issue. And he, he and he was right. Like I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm I'm taking the piss, but uh, you know, it's he he's a moaner, right? And I'm sure everyone knows a moaner. I'm sure everyone else moans when they when they watch a game and they're, they're they have some reason of investment, uh, some uh, uh, measurement of investment in that game, right? Um, but I I just can't. I, I just don't have the, I don't know, there has to be a level of, like, I need to be heard about this, you know what I mean, to, 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 tag, to tag a footballer and just go, hey, Sterling, you suck, or something like that, or something worse than that, or, you know, uh, Harry Kane, where are you at, can't see you, can't find you, it's, it's like, you know, I, I, like, to tag them in it, like, is there any reason for that, you know what I mean, I just, I just, I feel like there's a self- um, there's a there's a measure of <clears throat> there's a measure of self indulgence there, you know what I mean? That I just can't really quite understand, and I don't really get. And I'm just like, okay, I mean, if you want to moan, moan, right? And that's what you know people go on Twitter for to moan about shit, right? I I do it, you know, I do it a lot. I I I do it a lot, especially during games. I'm just like, oh my days, this game is frustrating me. Da 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 da, like just to watch it, right? And, you know, I find like that's fine, but I'm not tagging Kian and Bappe saying, like, you know, you missed a penalty, you cunt. Like, <laughs> I really? Like, is, is you really... I, I just don't... Maybe I don't care that much, but with, with that said, I don't think that caring uh, should bleed into racist abuse, and I should not excuse it. So, I, I don't really get what your what you guys' attitudes are to uh, uh, when it comes to this. Like, if, you, if you're one of these people that tag athletes especially especially athletes right i feel like politics should should and is a different thing okay um if you want to tag kiss starmer then and say he sucks then sure right <laughs> I, I don't i'm not really 
I, 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 we can have that. Di- we can have a different conversation that pertains to politicians because, and I've, I've heard, I, I forgot who says this. I forgot who said this. Someone said it like a couple, like a week ago, and um, that you know, footballers do really do get more scrutiny than politicians, um, in this country anyway. I don't know about other countries, but it's true. It's true, and that's and that's wrong to me. That's wrong. That's wrong to me. Footballers play a game for ninety minutes and then they live out and then they dip out and you carry on with your life in the same way they do. Politicians are here twenty four seven in some ways, like influencing quote unquote change, uh, whether it be negative or positive, and you're here bitching about Raheem Sterling, throwing racial epithets at him on your own Twitter account. Y- your mentality is different, and it doesn't make sense to me. So um, yeah, with that said. You know, I just found it fascinating from a statistical standpoint that um, the you know it's, it's able the data is able uh, the the data can be collected like this. Um, I, I I really just wonder how uh, how big of a mountain of a task doing the exact same thing on Facebook would be. Um, but I would love to see people. I'd love to see somebody try it um, just to gain the scope. But um, hey, man, Twitter is Twitter, and uh, there's a lot of bitching on Twitter, so. Um, yeah. Now we are into our second sports topic, sports segment, and uh, this is all about uh, hammer thrower uh, Gwen Berry, uh, who got second place. I think it's second place um, in uh, the U.S. Uh, Olympic trials, which happened in the past couple of weeks. Um, and she made a she made a statement um, on on while well, well, uh, the you know anthem was going and the medal ceremony for the hammer throw, etc., etc. Right? Um, she basically uh, stayed. Yeah, because they because you know, when when the flags if if you haven't seen for Olympic trials and the Olympics and stuff like that and those kind of events um they basically turn ninety degrees to face the flag right and as the things going they look here da, da, symbolism 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 right but Gwen Berry stayed facing straight ahead and not looking at the flag while the other two um uh, were turning to the right or or to their left I don't know who cares turning ninety degrees let's just say that right. And uh, obviously, you know, flag people in the US uh, got very heated. Um, and I found this an interesting just uh, opinion piece uh, by Nyla Burton uh, via The Independent. And uh, it, it just fascinated me. It just fascinated me. I, I, I just I just don't get the heat towards this. It's just so funny to me. I mean, I get it, but it's just like, I don't agree with it. <laughs> I'm just like, you get, again, you're getting heated over a lot of, a lot of things that kind of don't matter in the long run that shouldn't matter in the long run, but you're making it matter by bitching about it. But anyway, let's get into this. So this is called uh, Gwen Berry turned her back on the American flag as she should. Uh, nice provocative title. Um, on Saturday, during the medal ceremony for the US Olympic track and field trials, hand thrower Gwen Berry faced away from the US flag during, her nas- during the national anthem. Uh, she did so, she said later, in protests against systemic racism and police brutality. Berry also claimed that although she requested they play the anthem after the athlete says the podium, <clears throat> uh, it was played while she was still there, forcing her to make a choice between her principles and inciting public and racist outrage against her, referring to the anthem playing as a quote-unquote setup. The 31-year-old athlete said, quote, I was thinking about what I should do, what should I do? Eventually, I just stayed out there and just swayed. I put my shirt over my head. It was real disrespectful. I know they did that on purpose, but it will all be all right. I see what's up. Uh, unquote. The activi- the shirt that she raised over her head uh, read activist athlete. This isn't the first time Barry has used their platform to advocate for racial justice. In 2019, she received a 12-month probation and lost some of her sponsorships after she raised her fist, a tactic first used by black US sprinters Tommy Smith and John Carlos during the October 16th, uh, 1968 Olympic medal ceremony in Mexico City, Mexico, uh, in protest against racism in the US at the Pan American Games in Peru. That's where she did it. Um, quote, for me, it was extremely devastating because they calf all my revenue. Uh, Barry told CNN in 2020 of the punishment she received 
resulting from a protest in Peru that loss of revenue prevented her from, quote, competing, going overseas, going to competitions, and getting prize money. Uh, she added, saying the Olympic team itself ended up having to, again, quote, help me, help my family, help my community, unquote, because of the wide-ranging impact of that loss of earnings. Black athletes who stand up for themselves, whether it's taking a knee like football player Colin Kaepernick or advocating their, for their own self-care like tennis champion Naomi Osaka, almost always receive intense backlash uh, after they protest racial injustice or exercise their right to refu- right of refusal or right to refusal. So, uh, quote: uh, "I think it's a terrible thing, and you know, maybe he should find a country that works better for him. Let him try. It won't happen," said Donald Trump of 20, of, of Kaepernick 2016, before winning the election. We're all aware. Uh, in May 2021, Naomi Osaka, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, did we talk about that in the show? Did we talk about that? Anyway, she made it, uh, she made it clear the invasive press questions were detrimental to her mental health. White former, <laughs> white former, uh, white former t- uh, tennis star Billie Jean King, as if we're going to mistake Billie Jean King for being anything other than white. It's just funny to me. They just put white former tennis star. Uh, responded to that all athletes have a responsibility to make ourselves available to the media. Uh, like Barry Osaka was punished this time with a $15,000 fine and a threat of suspension uh, from the tournament, which Osaka later withdrew, as you guys know. And after a recent demonstration, Republican legislators came after her during an interview on Fox and Friends. Republi- uh, uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw uh, said, We don't need any more activist athletes. Barry should be removed from the team. That's an amazing quote. We don't, we shouldn't, what? We don't need any more activist athletes. What, is there a quota for you? <laughs> <laughs> like, like we only need ten. <laughs> what, what do you? What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the? I need more there. I need, I need more. Like for, for that, for that. What was, what are you saying? So you, you, there should be what one none. Like what, what, what's, the, what's your, what's your issue there? I don't, I don't get it. Uh, oh, oh, there's more. There's more. Great. The entire point of the Olympic team is to represent the United States of America. That's the entire point. Dot dot dot. They should be removed. Crenshaw continued, referring not to only Barry, but to all the American activist athletes he so clearly disdains. Uh, quote, that should be the bare minimum requirement is that you believe in the country you're representing. Unquote. <sighs> There's a lot to go for that, so I'm going to continue um, just for the sake of time. Uh, but how can black athletes believe in the country? Uh, believe in believe in this country wholeheartedly how can they believe in a country that allowed uh, one in 800 black indigenous people to die from covid and tw- uh, covid 19 between march and december 2020 how can they believe in a country that incarcerates black people with hugely disproportionate levels and cruel conditions separating families and destroying lives how can they believe in a country where police can shoot a sleeping black woman like Breonna taylor or a mentally ill black woman like pamela turner and face little to no consequences when Crenshaw called for Berry to uh, be removed from the Olympic Games due to a leg- alleged lack of belief in the country, uh, she tweeted, At this point, you're obsessed with me. And she's right. Uh, those opposed to racial uh, justice in the US are obsessed with black athletes like Berry, Kaepernick, and Osaka because they are threatening the status quo. That status quo demands black athletes put their bodies and minds on the line again and again because they should simply be grateful to be there. Barry and her compatriots are dis- uh, disrupting the idea that black athletes should just smile and sign autographs while people are, while their people are killed, starved, denied healthcare, and exposed to all manner uh, to all manner of d- indignities and violence. And most importantly, in the cases of Barry and Kaepernick, they're disrupting the pervasive idea that this country is infallible, uh, that is inherently good, and that represents freedom to the rest of the world. America. I, I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how a lot of them love to talk about it. Um, Barry and Kaepernick clearly believe in freedom. Otherwise, why would they risk their careers to speak out against the system, stripping it from black Americans? Uh, no, their detractors aren't upset because activist athletes don't uh, value the supposed uh, American values of freedom and liberty. They're furious because he, the, these athletes, by refusing to revere our country's anthem, are pointing out uh, what has been clear for a long time. The US is hypocritical every time it claims to be a shining light of liberty, and until it becomes one for real, we must all bend our knees forwards towards freedom and turn our backs against injustice, facing the dream of true liberty with open hearts and courageous spirits. Now, I feel like when it comes to this, and th- th- I want to kind of extend this um, to the World Cup that's going to happen in Qatar. 
um, because obviously um, Qatar are, um, you know, a little bit more, um, a little bit more uh, tight-fisted, let's, 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 say, let's say that, for when it comes to, you know, uh, stuff like LGBT uh, rights and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you're all, uh, you know, aware of, uh, you know, the, that kind of stuff, right? <clears throat> I feel like for this thing, there's an overall point, um, and then I'll get to the World Cup point I was going to make. Um, I feel like there's um when it comes to the when it comes to you know stuff that that what Gwen what Gwen Berry did, right? I feel like the message is always. Always, always lost, always lost on people. Either they, either they don't know what the context is, and um, you know, I feel like a lot of people do not get context a lot. Of, excuse me, a lot of the time because um, you know, some people don't know what racism, you know, as a textbook definition actually is. Or you know, you can I could have easily talked about critical race theory again uh, since it's been boiling up recently in America. Um, and also in the UK, you know, so it was, uh, I, I I think I talked about it in reference to um, the UK talking about it in uh, schools, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so I feel like when it comes to stuff like what Gwen Berry did, a lot of the, I don't know if they just choose to be ignorant, um, and just think like, oh, they, they hate America, they hate America, so uh, that's such a dead way of thinking about it still, like, uh, so you don't want to, activ- you don't want more activist athletes, but you, you, you don't want any activist athletes. That's basically what you mean, right? You, you don't want any. And uh, the reason why I mentioned Qatar um, World Cup next year is because, you know, th- there's there's more rules there. There's a lot more rules there. So, um, you know, uh, there's going to be a time sometime next year where FIFA are going to be Qatar's mouthpiece um, and they're going to say you can't take the knee, you can't wear um, uh, rainbow armbands like obviously Manuel Neuer did um, and Germany's uh, Allianz Stadium was going to colour their whole stadium uh, in rainbow colouring, they were um, uh, not, they were told not to do so from UEFA so, you know, th- that's it's already started there um, and I just wonder what's going to happen in a place like Qatar which is much less uh um, catering uh, to these kind of issues, um, you know, America is for one for for one thing. I'll give America credit for is that um, you can say what you want, but but for a lot of people, including someone like Gwen Berry, as it said in the piece, loses sponsorships because of it. And when there are, uh, you know, and I feel like, you know, issues, social issues such as uh, racism or, you know, transphobia, et cetera, et cetera, right? Some of these are very pick and choose as to um, how people uh, respond to it. So, Gwen Berry loses her sponsorships for literally raising a fist during the national anthem. Literally just that, right? Um, but you know, there are plenty of examples where um, you know people have done something more than that in the realm of sports, and they haven't lost their sponsorships. So, what's the difference? What really is the difference? Um, pick an example out, but I can't think of one for the moment. But you know, it's just worth thinking about. It really is worth thinking about. Um, but you know, shout out to Gwen Berry. She's still continuing. She's going to Tokyo hammer throwing and uh, I wish the best of luck to her and uh, I, I guarantee you and I, I've, I've you know, I talked about this before on the pod um, it, she if she does anything during the Olympics uh, I guarantee you she will not be the only one doing so So hop on to our music segment, and uh, this is uh, a piece that I've uh, that I found a couple of uh, a few days ago, and um, uh, it basically it's basically part of um, I guess um, talking about a new documentary that came out uh, called "Do Black Lives Still Matter?" 
Um, it's a BBC documentary series, three parts. Um, I watched the third part the other night, and uh, it was very fascinating. Um, and uh, I'll talk about the documentary in a bit because uh, there was one there was one point that I disagreed with, um, but I'll get to that later. And if you guys want to see um, P-Pie Player, I'm sure it's there. Um, definitely worth a watch uh, for the whole thing. Um, but yeah, this is about uh, Grime Artist Skiller, um, who hosts the show, um, or hosts the documentary. And uh, this is called Grime Artist Skiller uh, Criticizes Music Industry for a Lack of Change. This is by Armna Modine uh, for The Guardian. And uh, yeah, I just found this fascinating. And also I found the documentary itself fascinating, which I'll talk about hopefully at the end, if I have time. So let's get into the article. Leading grime artist and presenter has condemned the lack of meaningful change in the music industry since last summer's anti-racist protests and criticised record labels for benefiting from black stars, but still failing to invest in and retain black talent behind the scenes. There was a surge of anger in response to the death of George Floyd across the wide section of British society, especially within the music industry. Many artists and labels took part in the hashtag Black Owl Tuesday, a social media campaign led by two music black music executives in which people posted black squares to stand in solidarity with black people. A year later, Saskilla uh, investigates uh, what significant changes have been made uh, in the music industry as part of BBC's documentary Do Black Lives Still Matter in a series third episode uh, on Monday, uh, uh, 20th of June, which obviously has passed, uh, but you, I'm sure you guys can peep on the iPlayer. And that's the episode I peep, by the way. Uh, quote, everybody was promising black people, uh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that too, uh, but was it or, was it this talk? But was it this talk? But was it this talk? It's an interesting way to say. Uh, what change is exactly uh, actually happening for the next generation, so Skiller said. Meaningful change hasn't actually happened. Uh, what has happened is a lot of conversation in trying to change things, unquote. The documentary spoke to black staff in the industry, some anonymously, anonymously and music acts such as the Nova Twins and Kid Bookie. So Skiller repeatedly uh, heard that black people were not being given opportunities to progress or were being pigeonholed. Documentary cites data from the Music Diversity Report Survey 2020, which found that ethnic representation within companies increased from 15.6% to 22.3% between 2016 to 2020. The survey showed, however, that black and minority ethnic staff make up 42% of entry-level jobs and just 21% of mid-level. Uh, show, the show suggests the, the failure to retain and promote staff is down to structural racism. Quote, you're using people's youth. You're using people's resources. You're using people's real connections to connection to the streets because it's black youth that are bringing you black music. That is the number one music in Britain right now, Skiller said. Uh, they're bringing you all of these things for free in the music industry. Then you're flipping, chucking them out within the first two years, unquote. He believes the lack of black people in key positions in record labels is intentional. Quote, they don't want to give black people power. Uh, unfortunately, as black people, we are the show. We are not. The, we're not the business. As Skiller said, uh, "You're seeing all these black people, all this representation, but then at the end of the day, that guy that is booking them for in, uh, booking them in for these shows isn't black. That guy, the guy that is doing marketing, isn't black. None of these people that understand the scope of what a black eye is are actually b- black behind the scenes." Unquote. Uh, the three-part series also explores what change uh, has occurred in football and within household brands. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So the last, so the last episode is about music, and the other two are about different things. Okay, there we go. Now I get it. Um, the three-part series also explores what change has occurred in football and within household brands. There we go. So I assume those are the other two episodes. Quote: I was hearing from the England under-21 uh, assistant coach Michael Johnson saying, "I have applied for 40, 50 jobs. I've got, I've got every qualification under the sun." There are men on the television less qualified than me. I have gone to university and everything I need to get, unquote. He added, quote, I never thought I was going to start uh, to uncover all this dirty laundry of Britain. Dirty laundry that no one actually talks about last night uh, is the most uncomfortable conversation uh, because we all are football in our nation. But are we ready to say that we're racist? <laughs> I'll answer that for you. No. Uh, several labels within the music, uh, music industry committed funds to improving diversity, but Sir Skiller warned it is unclear where this money is going and whether it is making any difference. Quote, there has to be more transparency because what always happens in the music industry hands out large sums of money and says, yeah, we're going to fix the problem. But they are the problem, and they're not taking responsibility for where the money is going. So let me put a pin in they are the problem. Okay, Let me, let me put a pin in that, that particular phrase, um, and I'll get that to that in the end. He gives an example, quote, if I'm going to invest 50 million to fix up this area, but I'm giving 50 million to the dustbin man, 
but he doesn't look after the electricity of the area, and he's got nothing to do with the sanct- uh, sanitization in the area, and he has got nothing to do with the roads of the area. If 50 million goes to the dustbin man, and they've got new brand brand new dustbins, drivers and cars, what the hell is uh, that community doing? What is the hell is that doing for the community? This is what the music industry and all these people uh, are doing, and why transparency is needed, unquote. Um, still... He is hopeful there will be change, quote, uh, the conversation in trying to change things have actually begun. We can't say nothing's happened because at certain places, especially in this documentary, it has forced change on a lot of these major corporations that we spoke about uh, because something's been highlighted. <coughs> okay. So, um, solid article as, as it is. Um, and the one point I wanted to get to, and... Uh, and it's kind of also half in response to uh, a response to the literally the last thing Siskiller said in that documentary. Um, I can't par- I can't um, I can only paraphrase it, but um, it kind of it, it comes back to the the bit I wanted to put a pin under that they are the problem. Okay, so he said something uh, like. Um, he said, "If we, uh, if until we don't, uh, until we address one problem, uh, getting black people into positions of power within these labels, right? Let's, let's, let's unpack that right quick, okay? So, getting black people into positions of power within these labels, okay? How?" How do you um uh, uh okay I'm trying I'm trying not to sound defeatist here because my solution to all that um is um how about getting to um positions of power within your own label hmm? like that that's my that's my two cents on it, right? It's it's more about if uh, I and I I get it. I've I've talked about it at nauseum on DITD and here as well, right? I've I've talked about it at nauseum that you know, um, getting on a genuine you know getting on a big label, uh, you know, really helps a lot of people in careers, right? But they're also uh, people that have had their careers destroyed by major labels, okay? When initially it was all going swimmingly, right? So you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's two, it's two, it's two edges to that sword, okay? Um, but I, I when, when have um, a, a question I like to, I've, I've been thinking about um, in the past couple of weeks is. Um, and I probably will continue thinking about it, is uh, what, um, when have, when have uh, people in power, so let's say the, you know, the heads of these labels, right, wherever you, however big you want to say, whether it's, um, you know, the big three that we talked about last week, um, or something smaller like uh, Island Records, right, whatever, um, or not smaller, but, you know, just under them, um, when have, when has anybody uh, given away power of that nature and power to the point where, you know, this ch- these systemic changes can happen, right? So I'm talking label heads, all that, right? Because, you know, all this shit, you know, it's incremental. Like, if you want to make genuine change, the, the heads need to change. I believe that, right? Like, but there's no point half-assing it. Like, go for the heads, basically, right? But again, when has anybody given power away winningly? That's my question. Why would they give power away winningly? Why would they change this system winningly? Because we're making noise. Sure. Potentially. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a couple of them. Maybe maybe a couple of them will get guilt trippy, get guilt tripped, or uh, feel guilty, or uh, you know, or maybe just be you know genuine decent human beings and just understand that you know this shit needs to change, and maybe they'll do so, right? Maybe, maybe. But I don't like resting on other people's laurels. You know, I I'm I'm not into that. 
when it comes to trying to make change of this nature, right? So I understand what Siskinen means at the end of this particular documentary, where he goes, uh, you know, until we sort this problem of getting black people into positions of power within these labels, I just have a tinge of eh. Mm. How about we do? How about we make our own? Uh, how about we build our own? You know, towers instead, right? Instead of trying to um, get on top of these towers, because they're not going to give power winningly. They nobody ever does. This is the music industry of all places. Like they're not going to just go like, "All oh, right, here's the keys." Oh, sorry guys. Sorry for all this. Uh, sorry for all this systemic um, systemic racism we've been doing. Here's the keys to Island Records. Like, here's the keys to um, uh, Parlophone. You know what I mean? That's, that's not how it goes. It's not how it goes. So, why not collectively, right? Why not collectively make a change ourselves and starve these people of our art? Hmm? It's, it's, a, worthy, it's a worthy question to me. Why not just starve these people of our art? And then they would actually make change in some fashion because they'll because once that once if we take ourselves out if if, if black artists take us, themselves out of the equation, right? Um, and just say you know I'm going I'm I'm leaving right uh, I'm not doing this anymore I'm going to start my own thing or whatever. Whether you're starting your own thing or, you know, copying on another black-owned thing, right? Because when you do that, and when that potentially progresses in the idyllic way that I'd like it to be, then they all start to make changes. Because then, if... Because how about we lead by example instead? That, that too. You know what I mean? Just How about we just do that as well? Do it ourselves and lead it by example. Of course, it's harder, right? Of course, but when has change ever been hard? When has change ever been easy? You know, so I don't know. Um, I I just had a bit of a I just had a bit of a skew with that last bit. Like the whole documentary is great. It's half an hour. Please go peep it, guys. It's really enlightening. Um, but yeah, they are the problem. He said it in the article. They are the problem. So why work with the why why try and change people? Because they're not going to willingly change just by talking to them they really won't let's be real so why don't we build our own towers and we finish off the show with a tribute and just a Flower giving, giving uh, for a black British film pioneer uh, who recently died uh, at the age of uh, 60, uh, 67. Uh, Barbadian, Barbados born uh, Menelik Shabazz. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to give some love, uh, just give some respect, give salutes. Um, and yeah, uh, it's one of those cases where um, it's kind, it's kind, it's it's it's, a, it's a, if you know, you know, kind of thing, right? And uh, you see films, you see Black British films now, and honestly, like when I was when I was thinking about this yesterday, um, I saw the uh, Channel Four did a really good. Um, uh, a really good uh, tribute and just just a general piece on his career and life um, on, on Channel Four News, uh, uh, and it was really it was just really good and really actually generally surprising that um, you know really like a premier you know news hourly um, uh, uh, <coughs> for those that, for those that don't know how UK news works you know you have the twenty four hour news like you know the BBC and the CNNs and the Bloombergs and stuff like that but um, for terrestrial TV, um, you have uh, you know BBC News at uh, breakfast, uh, you know uh, six, uh, Channel Four News at seven. No, yeah, Channel Four News at seven um, for Monday to Friday for an hour, 
and uh, and then BBC News at ten, and they also have like you know ITV News and Channel Five News, right? You, you have a you have a choice there, but um, I was just really surprised that <coughs> the Channel Four News really just did a really good piece um, on him and as uh, uh, someone that's transitioned recently, and that's uh, that's just good. But I found this uh, article by Joel Campbell via The Voice, um, and um, yeah, I just wanted to you know give give salutes and uh, put some time in for it. Um, so the voice to learn the sad news of the passing of award-winning film director Menelik Shabazz, uh, the cause of death time is unknown, also to media family and friends, best known for being at the forefront of the contemporary British filmmaking, of contem- yeah, of the contemporary British filmmaking, the contemporary, don't know, uh, for more than 30 years, uh, the Barbados-born producer, educator and writer, acknowledged as a pioneer in the development of independent black British cinema, will be sorely missed. Uh, Menelik, uh, along with other individuals, founded a Sedo Film Video Workshop in 1982. It was Menelik's f- uh, vision to empower black film production training as film screenings. Founded by Channel 4 and the British Film Institute, Sedo created groundbreaking film production and community training initiatives and hosted a number of screenings with the filmmakers, including Spike Lee, for school days. Uh, despite attempts to produce further drama projects, Menelik was unable to... Uh, raise funding from within the film and TV industry. In frustration, he withdrew from filmmaking in 1998. Menlik then channeled his energies into publishing Black Film Magazine, BFM, uh, to assist in the next generation of filmmakers. Publication was first of its kind and distributed in the UK nationally, as well as to readers in Europe and North America. The publication lasted nine years. Take it to Instagram, the Legacy Centre of Excellence, a community organisation which prides themselves on being Europe's largest black business in our centre, wrote, quote, we've just heard the sad positive award-winning film director Malik Shabazz. We are thankful for him uh, bringing an accurate portrayal of the black British experience to our screens with the critically acclaimed movies Burn the Illusion and The Story of Lovers Rock. In 2019, he released his documentary Pharaohs Unveiled and we had uh, the pleasure of hosting his lunch at Legacy. Thank you, Menelik. May you R.I.P., unquote. Soon after publishing BFM magazine, uh, Menelik found the, founded the BFM International Film Festival in 1999. The festival provided a significant platform for black world cinema and British talent. The foundation template for the screening of black cinema ins- inspiring future generations, the BFM International Film Festival became the biggest of its kind in Europe and lasted 11 years. In 2007, uh, Menelik went to Nigeria to work with investors to produce film projects in the burgeoning industry known as Nollywood. This experience lasted only eight months, but the experience had the cha- uh, experience and change of scenery rekindled the passion uh, in Menelik to return to filmmaking. The digital technology experience in Nigeria offered a way back into filmmaking on his own terms. In 08, he started to, uh, in 08 started to film a feature-length documentary uh, project that became. Uh, known as The Story of Lovers Rock. It became one of the highest-grossing documentaries in UK cinemas in 2011. It also won the Jury Award for Best Documentary at the Trinidad International Film Festival in 2012. Mendick's story continued with an acclaimed documentary, Look for Love, a film which uh, looks at black male-female relationships in the UK. Mendick has recently developed a dramatic TV pilot for a series set in Barbados called Heat. Uh, his most recent film releases a documentary called Pharaohs Unveiled, which explores kemetic history, uh, spiritually and psychic channeling. It's understood by the voice of Shabazz was filming in Africa earlier this year on what looks like it, uh, what looks like was his last project, Spirits Return. Uh, in his latest blog, Mendick wrote, quote, Spirits Return is a feature drama, uh, ancestral love story about Nubia, a British woman who visits Zimbabwe searching for a cultural and ancestral roots. She gets more than she bargains for when she meets the ex-boyfriend who dumped her in the UK. But there is an ancestral dimension that comes into play as she tries to make sense of her emotional and spiritual turmoil. The idea of the idea for Spirits Return was hatched during lockdown in Zimbabwe. It didn't start off with a love story. It was intended to project to project similar to my last docudrama, Pharaohs Unveiled. Uh, I wanted to retell the story of ancient Zimbabwe uh, based on the work of Neferatiti. Yeah, Neferatiti life. Uh, yet even though I was seeing a, a version of my previous film, I always wanted to do something uh, very uh, slightly different, very creatively. This opened me up to idea to the ideas of using actors acting out dialogue in a monologue format. I had the number of readings uh, with the actors that helped me continue to develop the idea. Once I went down this road, more ideas opened up until I introduced a new character, Nubia, from outside uh, of the world I created, a character who was on a journey of discovery that pulls the narrative together. Then the question becomes, who was she? What is her backstory? 
and where was her emotional center. Um, so that's the entire article, and um, yeah, man, I just um, I just wanted to give props and give salutes um, to you know a true pioneer, and um, you know there are there are there are rare. There are rare moments, um, especially uh, in the past, uh, you know, fifty years. I, I think, I think there is a there. There's an element of um, there's an element of privilege here, uh, where you know we look at the I, I look at the past, you know, ten, uh, ten, fifteen-ish years, right, and you know, see all the. Uh, and see all the talent com- talent coming through um, behind the camera, in front of the camera, and it's rare that we give props to the people that you know did this fifty years ago, you know, fifty forty years ago. Um, yeah, you know, I've watched a fi- I watched a film called Babylon a couple of years ago, and that really um, it really blew my mind thinking about it um, of a film of that nature. Um, based in Brixton, you could see it was in Brixton. It was like authentically filmed in Brixton. You could see the, you know, you could just see it. You could just, it was just, it was just, there was an iconic nature to it. And uh, you know, talking about uh, a whole stories about you know sound system culture. Um, it's about young black teenagers. Um, there, there's cases of just outright racism in the film. And it's just a, it's just an outstanding film to watch. And uh, there's going to come a time where I'm going to watch uh, Shabazz's uh, films. And uh, you know, even from the clip I watched um, on Channel Four, and just watching those clips and how, you know, romantic they were, and how uh, how grounded they were in their storytelling, and just what they were. You know, um, I feel like there's. Even even with um you know the films that kind of birthed this new wave um you know it's a lot of them um you know based on urban gritty hard nosed life and you know drugs and stuff like that and you know while that's not you know there to be diminished right there is you know it's this this relevant right there also needs to be a balance, and, uh, you know, seeing those clips from Shabazz's films, it, they, they, it literally shows that balance that I'm looking for, like, the, as a, as a, as a fan of, you know, uh, as a, as a fan of Black British film, you know, I, I, I feel like there needs to be more of those things, and there has been a few of those, um, kind of, uh, uh, kind of, kind of those films, um, there was one, um, there's that musical with Michaela Cole a couple of years ago, um, it was based in Camden, uh, that looked really good, I forget the name, um, but, you know, there's, there needs to be more of that kind of thing, you know, um, uh, Burning Illusion, um, created in 81, it's, it's crazy to think about, this is a young, uh, this is a synopsis of it, um, a young black woman, uh, in England becomes increasingly frustrated with her life, with her lazy, demanding boyfriend, and with the help of friends, seeks something better, <laughs> it, it doesn't that just sound like, how many, you know, uh, how many, how many, how many shows do you can you think of that are like that? You know, what I mean, that just it's just like, oh, you know, I need to get out of this relationship. You know, what I mean, stuff like that, and you know, it's grounded, and that's why I really love about that. Um, just just from a just from a synopsis standpoint, or in that case, a logline, right? It's just um, I rate that, and um, I'm not I'm not I'm not a rom com person. And I, I wouldn't class that. I, I don't know if you want to class that as a rom com. Please let me know if you class it as a rom com. Um, but well, not a rom com, but it's a drama anyway. But you know, romantic anything. Um, but I just like those. I I feel like there needs to be more of those. And uh, you know, for someone like Shabazz, um, has clearly just already paved the way. And this is kind of where I come back to. <sighs> it's where I come back to education and um, thinking about. And, and just looking back, you know, um, there's there's a lot of uh, no rearview mirror kind of mentality um, for some people, and I've never really subscribed to that. Um, I feel like there's always a value in looking back, um, although in some ways um, it can be to a detriment because um, you know a lot of people uh, 
tried desperately to live in the past and not progress and obviously that's negative and that shouldn't happen to anybody like the point of I feel like an essence a, a true essence of human nature is just to keep moving and progress and grow right um and keep learning uh but a lot of people you know don't do that and uh continually try to try and stay in the past um but you know with that said I appreciate the fact that <gasps> I appreciate nostalgia and I appreciate looking back and uh, I feel like this is a perfect case of looking back, seeing somebody's work and life work and understanding it for what it is and appreciating it for what it is and potentially um, out of somebody's death can come, uh, can inspire some person to um, switch it up and uh, do something that's uh that's got depth but it's also grounded and doesn't um i could just uh soothe the soul as you watch but anyway rp to Menlik Shabazz um and uh we'll leave it there ladies and gentlemen from the fifth and podcast network i'm charged saying it's been what's good energy music has been too much too much by vanilla thanks to your breaks for the user track uh, you can find both their links in the full show notes thanks to happy hive charismatic interlude uh, you can find his uh, 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 link in the full show notes as well and with that said I hope you all have a good week I shall always always try and do the same but until the next time take it easy ladies and gentlemen